1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. It is a Sunday that I love because it's the day that we hear from Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group and all of the advice he has on Money Wise. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and a very special welcome to attorney Michael Coleman. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be Happy here. Happy New Thank Year. You. Happy New Year. That's right. We and haven't seen him since last year. I know. And with a little bit of luck, we might be joined by Little Miss Late. With a little bit. Bum, bum, with a little bit. <laughs> Which would be attorney Tenny Lance, who's Yay. supposed to be uh, joining us as well. But good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about a subject that we've discussed on other occasions, but in a slightly different way. We're going to be talking about what are the real differences between wills and trust, and why does it matter? Mm-hmm. And, Mike, we're also going to be asking you some questions, for example, about what do you ask questions? What kind of questions do you ask clients when they come in? And what kind of information do you need to gather? Mm-hmm. And um, we're about to say good morning to attorney Tenny Lance also. So good morning, Tenny. Good morning, everyone. Hey, good morning. So take off your coat and join us. <laughs> We're going to be talking about estate taxes a little bit. We're going to be talking about estate shrinkage. Now, did you know that Marilyn Monroe had 21% shrinkage? No. In her estate, that is. Oh, oh, oh. That's what we're talking about this morning. She did. She didn't plan properly, and she paid a lot of money in death taxes, um, and she lost 21%. Wow. That's a big chunk, isn't it? Yeah, very big. Of course, in those days, she died in 1962, which is quite a while ago. We forget how long ago it was. But at that point in time, her total estate was um, $819,000. That was a good deal of money back then, not so much now necessarily, but uh, she lost 20% of it. But let's begin. Um, I'd like to begin by introducing, um, again, Michael Coleman and Tenny Lance. Folks, these are the best people in our community, you bet. and within the listening range of this radio station, who can handle your estate properly, who can make sure that you've got a, an appropriate estate plan that's going to protect your family. And it really is all about protecting the family, isn't it, Michael? It is, yep. We try and uh, make comprehensive plans to really help the family and future generations, not just the people that we meet with. So the question we're going to ask throughout this morning's show is, what would you do to protect your family? And if you know that there are some things that you need to do to protect your family, when are you going to get around to making the steps necessary to do that? And there's a very low percentage of people I know that have done any kind of a will or trust or any kind of planning. People tend to put things off don't they yeah it's one of the things that we find a lot is a simple procrastination people don't want to necessarily think about death and wills and taxes and those sorts of things so i think it's something like a third or maybe even two-thirds of the public don't have any plan at all um of those that do some use wills some use trusts and we're going to talk about both of those today Mm -hmm. i had an interesting uh client appointment yesterday um this family has a decent amount of money um, the 
They are both professional people, and they have two young children, and they don't even have a will. And in a will is where you name guardians and conservators for your children. So I said to this person, you really need to have a will, at least. And he said, I know that. And as soon as my wife gets back from Florida and I get back from wherever I'm going, we'll have to talk about that. I thought, good gravy, you're traveling and you have young children and you don't have any kind of an estate plan. Well, certainly if you have children, that's that's a real important thing. If you have kids and you haven't done a will, you haven't done a trust, you haven't done estate planning, that's a serious problem, isn't it, Mike? It is. If something were to happen, it could be a conservatorship or a guardianship uh, court process, which can be long and costly, and uh, it's something that can be avoided pretty easily by doing the right documents. So let's be more specific about that particular thing, because I am um, want to ask some questions so I can learn more as well. When you talk about a conservatorship or a guardianship, is that something you do while somebody's alive? It, yes, you would do that while they're alive, if they're in the hospital or incapacitated uh, in some way, and they can't make decisions for, them, for themselves, they can't pay their bills or take care of themselves, that would be what would happen. Um, but then we get into a guardianship for a, a minor child. Mm-hmm. If someone passes away and there's a minor, we might have to get into a guardianship for that for that child as okay. well. Okay, that's a real important distinction, isn't it? So while you're alive, you can protect yourself by creating documents so that the family won't have to go through a guardianship. And what kind of documents are those? What are those called? Well, you could do about a power of attorney. You could do a health care proxy. Um, so those are documents to name agents to pay bills and make decisions on your behalf at the hospital or talk to the doctors. But you just mentioned something which is just as important if you happen to die young and you've got young kids, you may have somebody else that you don't want to be named to take care of your kids. Yeah, in theory, anyone could go into court and try to be appointed a guardian of the minor child. Such um, as a grandparent so, yeah, or somebody a grandparent else? or yeah. a sibling, someone yeah. like that. Uh, so if you do a will, you can name the person that you would want to actually have act on your behalf. So generally, when you're making decisions for yourself and for your family, you normally have a good impression about what kind of person or who in particular you'd like to have. But if you don't make the steps to do that, if you don't create a will, if you don't create a trust and other documents, then you're no longer in control of that decision. So let's say I have a will. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I have to hire counsel to take that to probate or do I just walk that will in myself? Why don't you answer that, Tenny? Well, it's a good question. Um, It is possible for people to represent themselves through the probate process. Is it a good idea? It's um, probably not a very good idea at all because people are not familiar with the process, what the requirements are, uh, what the timing elements are, how the process might proceed if somebody should file an objection or whatever. So we do not uh, recommend people do what is called pro se representation. Pro se means what yourself? Yes. For, for yourself. Represented I guess it means, by right? yourself. 
pro se. I that's guess. that's what the fellow in South uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, is doing, and his murder trial is is defending himself. It's not a good thing to do. Anybody who defends themselves has a fool for a client, is the phrase. Well, that's the old expression, isn't it? A man who represents himself has a fool for a client, um, and you need to have somebody objective. You know, I've seen a lot of ads on television recently for LegalZoom, not to give them any credence, but um, you don't even know the questions to ask. So if you take forms off the Internet and try to do your own estate plan and your own trust, um, you're really representing yourself. We're going to talk in a couple of minutes about the kinds of questions that you ask clients when they come in to see you because you probe fairly deeply, don't you? You need to get information. We do. We need uh, information about assets. We need to talk about a few different things. We talk about estate taxes. We'll talk about, as we said before, who they want to name in the will as a guardian or a personal representative mm -hmm. or an executor. We want to talk about how distributions are made. Sometimes people want to ha hold distributions back if they have a special needs situation in their life or a, a dependent uh, so we can talk about all those different kinds of things. But you ask a lot of questions that people who are not trained in what you do wouldn't know how to ask themselves. Right. Many times people will come in and, and most of the time actually will ask things that they just hadn't thought of. You know, I come across uh, funny samples of what people have written in their wills sometimes. I have to give you one of my first quotations. Uh, a gentleman named Anthony Scott in his last will and testament wrote, to my first wife, Sue, whom I always promised to mention in my will. Hello, Sue. <laughs> Hello, Sue. <laughs> you like that one, Tanner? <laughs> I mentioned her now. Moving along. <laughs> well, I have a very good friend who... It's not a, a joke. No, it's not a joke. I have a very good friend uh, who went through a nasty divorce. I've mentioned this before, but it's a great story. It's a true story. Uh, she died a couple of years ago in Chicago, unfortunately. A very good friend of mine. And um, I gave her some recommendations when she went through her bitter divorce. And she and her husband had parrots. They had three parrots. And she got custody of the parrots, but she had to write in her will, according to her divorce agreement, that when she died, that the parrots would go to her husband if he was still living. So they would be reconnected with the husband, basically. And so she wrote in her... In her estate plan, she said, If I die before my former husband, I leave him the parrots, provided he's not living with the whore that he left me for. This <laughs> <laughs> is a true story. It is a true story. A true she story. was wonderful. And I kept saying, you can't do this. You can't write this. You can't write this in your estate plan. She says, no, I want this in my estate plan. So, um, oh my God! I said, "Well, it's possibly, uh, it's possibly funny. your estate could be sued for oh. slander by will." She says, "I don't care. I want that in my will." So, so you can do these things in wills if you want to, can't you? There's a gentleman in England who um, wrote in his will. He left his employer one shilling to buy a book on manners. <laughs> So we have lots of fun when we see some of these things. So if you have something unusual, creative that you want to write, um, talk to Tenny and talk to Mike. So Tenny, uh, I want to remind people that you and Mike uh, are with Lance Law Inc. And tell everybody where you're located and 
do you charge for a consultation and all that sort of stuff? How do they find you? Well, lots of information. We are located on Fonts Corner Road, just north of the intersection with 195. So it's very easy to find us. We're across from the law school and Vanity Fair and those other landmarks. 352 Fonts Corner Road. Our initial consultations are uh, at no charge. And uh, if you wanted to reach us and set up an appointment, we could be uh, called at 508-998-8800. It's the only place on Fonts Corner Road where you see proudly displayed the U.S. Marine Corps flag. And the U.S. flag. And the U.S. flag. Yep, and the Marine Corps flag uh, reflects our heritage in the Marine Corps. You betcha. My grandfather, my father, me, and our son, Peter. So that's why we fly that flag. We're proud of it. This gentleman named Ambrose Bierce, by the way, who once wrote, Death is not the end. There remains the litigation over the estate. <laughs> but one of the problems, if you don't do a will or trust correctly, is that you could have litigation, correct? Absolutely. Even if you do it correctly, you can have litigation. Um, but, yeah, if there's a problem in the will, if you, you know, spell a name incorrectly or if uh, something else is wrong with it. Certainly, someone can sue, and and part of the the process is doing the probate. So this is a public process. You have to make a notice in a newspaper, so everyone's going to know what's going on. Uh, the will has to be submitted to the probate court, so anyone can come in and contest the will if they want to. And we've had those situations before. Tenny, do you have something in your documents that tries to? prevent people from filing complaints or challenging trust or discourage them in some fashion? Yes, our wills and our living trusts have a clause called the no contest clause. And what this says is that if anyone is expecting something from an estate and they challenge the amount or the uh, way it's to be delivered or whatever, if they have any challenge, then... Um, when they lose in court, they will get absolutely nothing. It's called the off-with-your-head clause. Good. So that really sounds like it's designed to discourage people from challenging. And if they challenge, they get nothing. Right. So um, let's talk about the benefits of, of a will or what does a will do. Um, what is a will, first of all? Let's start with real basics. What is a will? What is it designed to accomplish? Well, a will is just a document that sets forth where you want your assets to go when you pass away. So it can be bank accounts, real estate, personal property. It can really be anything that you own during your life. So it's a document that sets forth where you want these assets to go, who you want to have receive them. It also has to name what is called an executor. Mm -hmm. um, now it's called a personal representative here in Massachusetts. So this is the person that signs the documents and has to go to court and go through the whole probate process. So, Tenny, um, if somebody has died, do you generally sit down with a family and have them gathered around the table and read the will to everybody? Is that what you do? Oh, that's a myth. Um, I think it was created by some early TV shows where people uh, went into a lawyer's office and walked out with all the loot. That doesn't happen. The will has to be presented to the probate court. That's the, its only purpose. And have you ever heard of unusual situations? I have to give you one other one. Gene Roddenberry, creator of Star Trek, and the noble quotation, 
to boldly go where no man has gone before. Uh, his last will instructions had said that he wanted to have his ashes scattered via a space satellite orbiting the Earth. And that was done in 1997. <laughs> so his ashes are in orbit around the Earth. I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> I wonder if they gather together again, then maybe he can be recreated. going to come back to us as a comet someday, probably. <laughs> well, uh, so what do you do when somebody dies and there's a will? Uh, well, I mean, you have to, I was just going to mention, we have this little uh, paper here mentioning some mistakes and wills that we were talking about before. So apparently there was a will and one of the, the distributions was to the Royal Society for the Prevention of Birds. <laughs> for the prevention, <laughs> of prevention of birds. birds. Not, not, the, a, not the protection mistake. of birds, huh? And there was another one to the Royal Society for the Protection of Cruelty to Animals. <laughs> so again, you don't want to make these mistakes in your wills. No. So... Uh, I guess that's a good argument for not doing your own will, isn't it? So what happens to the will? What, what, what? So if a person passes away and they have assets like a bank account or they own uh, real estate, in order to get that bank account distributed to the heirs or get the real estate passed on to future generations, you're going to have to go through a probate. So the probate is a public process. You have to submit the will to the court. You have to pay filing fees. Um, you have to hopefully hire an attorney to represent you to go through that process. You have to publish a notice, so it's a long process, it's costly, and it delays distribution of assets. So How long does it take, typically? Well, it can take up to a year. A okay. creditor has a year to make a claim in the probate process. So, in other words, if you leave your property by will, it can take up to a year before things are fully resolved. And if there's litigation or if someone wants to come and contest the will, it can take a lot longer than that. And it's also a public document, isn't it, once you file it in court? So right. Anyone can go in there and see what you've written in your will, um, which is why we have these, all these... Uh, funny stories about wills because anyone can see what's in the will once it's submitted to the court. Well, we're just talking about Gene Roddenberry and coming back as an asteroid someday to hit the <laughs> earth, but that reminded me, I, I, I have to give you a quote from Mark Twain. Okay. It's not directly on estate planning. Uh, Mark Twain once wrote, noise proves nothing. Often a hen who has merely laid an egg cackles as if she has laid an asteroid. I, I didn't get that. You didn't get that one? No. All right, never mind. No more Mark Twain quotes. but no more Mark Twain quotes. All right, so if a will filing um, has to get filed in probate court, and it's a public document, that means if your next-door neighbor dies, you can go into court and get a copy of their will, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. You can sit there and look and see who is getting what of their assets. Yeah, And you can make a claim if you want to. Um, probably wouldn't be successful if you're not named in the will, but... Anyone can make a claim in the probate court and contest the will if they want to. So what do you do if you have property in more than one state? Well, then you have to do more than one probate, unfortunately. So you'll have to do uh, a probate in the state where the person passed away. Mm -hmm. And then if they own a condo in Florida or some other sort of asset in another state, you might have to do what's called an ancillary probate. So it could be more than one probate, and you would have to probably hire an attorney in that other state. So it, it can get complicated. So even if you had, for example, a mobile home in Florida, you're still going to file in Massachusetts and Florida? In order to transfer title to an asset, such as a bank account or any other sort of asset that has a title, 
most times you have to do a, a probate to be able to do that, right? All right. So those are some of the disadvantages of doing a will. Mm -hmm. So I know you represent a lot of people, uh, Tenny and Mike, who do trusts rather than simple wills. So why is a trust better than doing a will, for example? Oh, living trusts are wonderful documents. They allow the uh, person writing the trust to determine everything that they want to do with their assets, who they want it to go to, how they want it distributed, and then there is no need for a court involvement at all. They name somebody called a successor trustee who takes over for them if they are either incapacitated or if they're deceased. And the trust goes on in time after they're gone to take care of assets until they're fully distributed. So is a trust generally a private document compared to a will that's a public document? Absolutely private, yes. And um, so it avoids probate. You don't have to file through probate. What if you have property in more than one state? We're just talking about what if you had property in Florida as well as in Massachusetts and you have a trust? then you don't have to do multiple or ancillary probates because the trust owns the property effectively and the successor trustee is able in any state to uh, take over and handle that property. Should the successor trustee be one of the people in the uh, trust itself or in the will or should it be somebody outside? It can be a beneficiary. Uh, it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't really make all that much difference because the trustee is charged with what is called fiduciary responsibility, and that means that he has he or she has to carry out the wishes of the trustor, not in relation to whatever he wants, the trustee, but what the trustor stated. So we're talking this morning with attorney Michael Coleman and attorney Tenny Lance from Lancelar Inc. And the subject is really differences between wills and trusts. And I think most people would argue that a trust is generally a better way to go than a will. But what if somebody doesn't have many assets at all? Should they still do a will? Well, the point is, even if you have minimal assets, if you own a piece of real estate, even for a few bank accounts, if there's enough money in there, you still have to do a probate. So mm -hmm. the point is, you're not whoever your heirs are are not going to have access to those accounts, or are not going to be able to sell the real estate or transfer it without having to go through that probate. So the amount of assets um, is relevant, but again, uh, you're going to have to pay and you're going to have to wait to go through that probate, even with a fairly small number of assets. Okay. And the guideline we use is that if anybody has assets that are about in the range of two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars, and that's virtually anybody with a house, mm -hmm. then they should do a trust because of the ease of uh, processing it and passing on things without court involvement. What about if I didn't do either trust or a will? Does the government eventually end up taking uh, a share of that? 
No, um, not unless you owe something to the government under Medicaid or something like that. Or if you had but, a larger estate, like over a million dollars. Yeah, if you had an estate tax due. But no, there is a law called the Intestacy Law of the Commonwealth, and that determines where your assets will go, how much will go to a surviving spouse, how much will go to children, and so forth. And you don't have any control over that if you've not done your documents. Well, it sounds like if you don't do planning, you're lucky to get out of this life with just your skin, right? <laughs> so, why do I ask that question? Because Mark Twain once wrote... <laughs> you promised. <laughs> Mark Twain once wrote, The finest clothing made is a person's own skin. But, of course, society demands something more than this. <laughs> True. But you want to get out of this life with more than just your skin, don't you? You want to leave as much as possible to your family. You want privacy. You don't want to pay unusual expenses. Um, so it sounds like there's a lot of benefits. Um, we're going to come back in just a minute. We're talking with attorneys Michael Coleman and attorney uh, Tenny Lance from Lance Law, Inc. And we're going to talk about what happens if you have children that don't get along, what happens if you have somebody who has a disability, for example, and why a trust might be better than a will. So if you'll kindly stay tuned, and I'll see if I have any more Mark Twain quotations that are Please suitable. <laughs> All right, we'll talk more about intestacy when we come back then. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise, brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. Please visit us at usawealthgroup.com on our website. Uh, we've got lots of uh, free information we're happy to provide. We had some people last week who called up and asked for copies of our budget forms, which is a useful way to start out the year. Um, we've got information on Social Security, on Medicare, uh, Tenny on the law firm side. You and Mike have information on Medicaid and protecting your assets. So there's just so much wonderful information that's in a great, easy-to-read form. Just before the break, we were talking about intestacy. So what's the derivation of intestacy, Mike? Do you know? I don't. You don't? You're no. looking at me with that look because you yeah, know I'm going to give you an answer. I ask a question. <laughs> I don't know the answer to. There's the old question that... I think I know, but I'm not saying a word about those Romans. <laughs> well, I can, I can use this on the air because Paul Harvey, the great newscaster, used it on the air. I told Phil this before. I'm not sure if I've used this on the air before or not. Well, intestacy comes from the root word testator, um, T-E-S-T-E, mm -hmm. and Paul Harvey did this great commentary once on the radio talking about intestacy and testifying before Congress. He was using it in the context of what do the congressmen do and people who are testifying before Congress, they have to be sworn in. Right. Well, the, the root word for testator, intestacy, testify, also applies to testicles. Right. <laughs> um, it's the same Latin word. And the derivation of all this is because during Roman times, first of all, women didn't ever testify in court, only men did. Mm -hmm. And they literally had to stand in front of the court or the tribunal and hold their testicles as they testified on penalties that if they didn't tell the truth, they would lose their testicles. Wow, okay. This is a true story. And so Paul Harvey had this great story and said, 
if only people who had to testify in court today had to do the same thing, yeah. maybe we'd have a lot more truth in court and before <laughs> congressional <laughs> hearings and so forth. May I end this? Please. Good day! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the other side? Good day! <laughs> so, let me, let me think. You for knew s- Paul, didn't you? I did. I thought I remembered yes, that. Yes, I did. Good day. Let me think of how I can get back onto our main topic. Here. Well, the rest of the story now. <laughs> but uh, that's the derivation of yeah, you're right. testimony and testator and testatrix and, and so forth. It's, wow. it's, a, it's a good, solid Latin word. Right. But the objective here is that we don't want to have people go into court. Right. Okay, I can't get a straight face we, out of anybody in this studio. We can move on now. Okay, so let's let's come back and ask the question about what happens if somebody has got a disability? You've got a child who's disabled. Are they better protected with a will or are they better protected with a trust? Well, um, certainly they would be better protected if they are on public benefits by having the person who is leaving them something leave it in some type of self-protective trust because anybody who is receiving public benefits, if they do inherit and they inherit some sort of uh, valuable asset, they could be removed from their benefit programs and that's usually a disaster for people. It's also a waste. So if you have anybody who is uh, uh, a a child with special needs or anybody who might be a relative that you're thinking of of benefiting with your will, please don't leave it to them directly. It will not really be a benefit. So I want to ask some questions of um, both Michael Coleman, Attorney Michael Coleman and Attorney Jenny Lance of when you meet with a client and you're trying to determine what's best for them, you have to ask a lot of questions, I would assume. Right? You sit down and you ask questions. And Absolutely. So do you, first of all, like go into um, what they have for assets and income? What we do is to provide them with something called a client intake form. And the client intake form has a variety of questions on it so that um, we can better determine where these folks are coming from and what the size of their estate is. Okay, so you need to know something about um, what they have for assets because that might make a determination about whether you'd recommend a will versus a trust, it sounds like. If they had virtually nothing, maybe they're better off with a will than they would be with a trust. Yes, and some people get nervous that we're trying to delve too much into their private affairs and they think that we're really nosy. We're not doing that um, in order just to be nosy. We need to know what your situation is so that we can properly provide you with a suggested estate plan. So I think it's especially useful for folks listening today to understand the process a little bit. Um, What should they bring with them when they go for a complimentary appointment? Um, And as you said, it's not just being nosy, is it? You wouldn't go into a doctor's office, for example, and say, I've got these aches and pains on my right side for a long time. Please tell me what I should do. They're going to want to take some tests. They're going to want to take an x-ray or an MRI, they, the, the medical community needs to know more about what the problem is. Right. And I guess it's very analogous to what you do, isn't it? You need to know 
What's the problem? Yeah, we need to know for a few different reasons. Uh, we haven't talked about estate taxes really yet, um, but there is an estate tax here in Massachusetts, and there's a federal estate tax. So we need to have a good idea of the size of a person's estate and to, to, in order to determine whether or not we need to take into account planning for estate taxes. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that we want to have an idea of what assets they have because if they end up doing a trust, part of the process is also funding the trust. So you have to get assets into the trust later on. So if we know bank accounts, if we know investment accounts or retirement accounts, whether or not they can be funded into a trust, that's something that we can help with too. But I guess the most important message ought to be to folks listening today is that don't be intimidated by the process or, or put off by it because right. in order for um, attorney Mike Coleman or attorney Tenny Lance to make decisions and recommendations as to what you should do, they need to know what your assets are and what you're worth. They need to know how you hold things. Right. And our consultations are free, as we said before. So if you come in and you talk with us, uh, there's no charge for the meeting. So really, you have nothing to lose by just coming in to, to meet. And what's always amazing to me is that people will sometimes come in and not really know what they have. And this is a good opportunity to sort of inventory where you're at as uh, a person, as a couple, uh, where are your assets? Who holds them? What kind of assets are they? How much are they worth now? How much were they worth when you initially obtained them or whatever? So all of this is a kind of a way of gathering information and organizing your life. Think of it that way as opposed to organizing in anticipation of death. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're doing it really to protect each other if you're married but you're also doing it to protect the next generation, aren't you, to protect the children? Of course. we want well, You would want to make sure that they receive assets in the way that you want. So if you do a trust, you can stipulate in the trust that assets are held in trust for a number of years if you want. You can have them distributed outright. So, yes, you can protect you know, uh, generations of All right. family why, members. Why would you want to hold assets in trust for a longer period of time after you're gone? What kind of reasons would you want to do that? Well, there could be all kinds of reasons. Maybe it's just a personal thing. Maybe you don't believe that whoever's going to be inheriting the money is going to spend it wisely. If they're going to go out and uh, buy fancy cars and take trips around the world, uh, maybe that's not something you want to have happen. So you can distribute it you know, over a period of years so that the money is used more wisely. So um, either Tanya or Mike, you can give an example of this. What if you had a 21-year-old child and you had a, an unhealthy parent that didn't have a long life expectancy? Would you normally want to recommend that a child at 21 would inherit assets or would you do something like staggered distributions, for example? Uh, the answer is it depends. Okay. It depends upon the situation of the child, how responsible they are, where they are in their life in terms of needing education or wanting education and so forth. But generally what you would want to do is to name a responsible party called a trustee to oversee the distribution to that child, uh, whether it be almost immediately or totally immediately or held over time. So can you give an example of how you might distribute, like would it be every five years or certain ages, or how would you typically write that? It can be either way. You can do it over a period of years. So you can say, you know, a third is distributed at maybe 25 years old, a mm -hmm. third is distributed at 30, and then 35. 
but you can use any age uh, you want to. I think we have clients who have in their trust that their um, children are not going to receive anything except annually. So the child has to receive like interest. Yeah, every year. Um, so everything is being held in trust. The downside of that is that the trustee has to manage that asset for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So it's the other consideration. So what if you had a child that hadn't completed their college education, they dropped out of college? Have you ever seen wills that put conditions on you'll get your money when you finish a college degree or something of that nature? You can put conditions in wills. Um, I think there are, there are some restrictions on what sort of conditions you can put in there. Uh, but there can be conditions to try and incentivize people to uh, do things, sure. So I came across an interesting story. We're going to talk about pet trusts in just a minute as well, taking care of your animals. But there was one cat-loving lady who left her whole house to be used to provide for her cat. And the lady's funeral was to be held on a clear summer day, and her cat was sunning itself lazily on the driveway outside when, sadly, it was run over by the hearse. <laughs> That's awful. Maybe it was on purpose by... You can't yeah. make them up. No, you can't make up these stories. <laughs> amazing things. But you can do pet trust, can't you? We can. That's a fairly new thing in Massachusetts. So you can create a trust within your trust and put some money in it and stipulate how you want the money to be distributed and used for the pet over years. And you have to name someone to take care of the pet. Mm -hmm. So sure, you can do that. Okay. Have you done any of those, Tenny? Pet trusts? Well, our daughter has done it. Um, she has a very um, important animal in her life named Maximus. And Maximus is provided for if anything should happen to Catherine. Through her trust, she has set aside not only a caretaker named, but she has also set aside some funds to I take hope I'm care not of named Maxie. a caretaker. <laughs> you love Maxie. Oh, I do love Max. I just don't want to have to take care of him <laughs> the rest of my life or his life. <laughs> But you can do that. And so you've had people that have done pet provisions. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Leona Helmsley was the most famous when she left virtually all of her multi-million dollar estate to her dog, Trouble. Actually, she left $12 million to take care of her dog, and the relatives challenged it. She probably did not have a no-contest clause in her trust. And Maybe the court not. cut it down to $4 million. So the, the dog had Poor $4 dog. million. Dollars. Poor dog. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Logan with $4 million? No, I don't she'd, know what she'd do. Logan is Mike's dog, beautiful dog. <laughs> well, they wouldn't know the difference, would they? No. So um, do you ever have situations when you've got children in the family that don't get along? Sure. I've had uh, very uncomfortable meetings with uh, parents and children where they clearly don't get along. Uh, maybe it's one child there, and they're trying to influence a parent in one way or another. But certainly, yeah, there are situations where siblings don't get along. Um, so the probate process, as we mentioned, is a public process. Uh, it's easier to contest a will uh, through probate. Uh, the trust is a private document. As we mentioned, a trustee has a fiduciary duty to follow the terms of the trust. So if you do have a situation where siblings may be fighting over assets, it's probably better to have a trust in place. Or if they just don't get along in general, you wouldn't right. want to name them, I assume, as co-trustees. No, you wouldn't want to do that. And um, Which might be a parent's first instinct. So if you were trying to do your own trust and create your own documents, you might make those kinds of mistakes. Right. But um, so when you ask questions, is one of your questions, 
do the kids get along? Yeah, yeah, we ask that yeah. generally. I mean, if there's a if there's a situation where the children don't get along, sometimes it comes up naturally. The parents will uh, bring it up on their own. But yeah, that's something we like to know. There's a space on our client intake form to give information about your your children, and I always go into some depth about that. Um, how do the children get along with each other? What do they do? Are they happily married, or are they in some sort of situation where a divorce might be imminent? All those kinds of questions are not meant to be intrusive, but simply to find out the situation in the family. And I'm sure you find situations in which one child has done really well financially and somebody else has really not done well, has done just the opposite. And so you have to ask those kinds of questions too, don't you? And figure out what the parents want to do. Not to give the answers necessarily right now because you can't generalize, but um, there's all kinds of family issues that come up when you're talking about estate planning. Right. And And all sorts of issues arise after you've done the planning and someone's passed away. That's when the issues really arise. So you want to try and do as much during your life to make sure that you have a plan in place so that all these contingencies are taken care of. All right. And um, one of the questions I like to ask is, um, what do you do about personal property items? Do people go to a lot of trouble? So I think a lot of people must be under the impression that they have to list every little single thing in their will or in their trust and how they, who they want to leave it to. Do you generally do that, or do you have some other procedure you use? Well, we do an assignment of personal property to a trust, so it assigns personal property to the trust. Um, within the trust itself, if there is a piece of personal property that's particularly valuable, like maybe a jewelry, we've done um, specific distributions of jewelry in the past, or if there are other assets that you know you really care about, you can put within the trust you want to receive those assets. But in general, you can just assign personal property to the trust and then have the trustees be responsible for distribution. And it's always possible for the trustor to leave a list and our trust uh, terms state that a trustor is, uh, I'm sorry, a successor trustee is actually to look for such a list. And if he finds it, then he's going to give away the personal property to the people identified on that list. So you certainly can make sure that your rings go to your daughters and your watches go to your sons and those sorts of things in a very simple way. So we're talking to um, attorney Tenny Lance and attorney Michael Coleman from Lance Law Inc. And Mike, tell everybody your address and your phone number again, please. We're at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Our phone number is 508-998-8800. You can also see us online at lancelawinc.com if you want to learn a little bit more about us. And if somebody wants to make an appointment to come in and have their questions answered? Yep. They can do that on the phone. Again, it's 508-998-8800. That's a free appointment. All right. That would be, just to clarify that, that would be to make an appointment. It wouldn't be to answer questions about their own estate on the telephone. Because you wouldn't know who you were talking to, I suppose. No. But they're welcome to make an appointment, um, ladies and gentlemen, and come in and get your questions answered. And if, if you don't have a plan, I know sometimes I've heard you say, if you don't make your own plan, then the government has a plan for you. That's the intestacy stuff we were talking about. We won't talk about intestacy no, we, again. We on won't this go show. there anymore right now. 
But it can be a problem. I mean, if you have a piece of real estate and if you think about it and then there's, you know, it's an intestacy situation, what if you, your siblings have passed away, you don't have any kids, and all of a sudden it's nieces and nephews who are going to be inheriting this, this property, and then there are different levels and generations of people with an interest in this real estate. I mean, we've gone through it before, and it's not something you want to have to deal with. Yeah, no, we have pretty. an interesting situation now where... The father died, so we have to do his probate. The mother died, we have to do her probate. Neither of them had wills. There are three children, and the children are not young, so the possibility exists that one of them may be deceased before all of this is done. And there's land involved. Who the devil owns the land? It's up for, it's not up for grabs, but it is... um, it is going to take a long time and lots of money to get through these court processes to identify the ownership. So if you don't plan, what you end up with is you've made the legal society right. um, another beneficiary in your state, haven't right, you? Right, <laughs> The funny thing is the one that Tenny's talking about, these people um, did a particular kind of deed that uh, we sometimes use to plan. But then they never updated it. They never looked at it again. Um, So one of the things that we try and do is meet with our clients every three to five years to make sure that whatever plan they've put in place is still relevant and nothing's changed. You know, life situations can change. So Mm -hmm. we like to stay up with the clients. Well, wills and trusts, of course, first originated in England, didn't they? Uh, Okay. About five, six hundred years ago. So trusts have been around for a long time. They're a very important part of the legal landscape in protecting your family. So here's some information about a gentleman in England who did a will. His name was Norman Ernest Digweed. Um, He had a very famous will because he declared that in his estate, 26,000 pounds would be placed in trust for 80 years for Jesus Christ should he return within that time. So during that 80-year period, quite a few people came forward to claim the estate <laughs> that they were Jesus Christ. But at the end of the 80 years, um, all the rest of that money went to the crown. Oh, my gosh. I just thought of Joe Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> now, we could have sent him across the That's sea. right. You're right. If you're listening, <laughs> maybe it's not too late. <laughs> oh, dear. But, um, you know, people do some foolish things, and um, especially when they do their own documents, they do some foolish things. But, you know, this is really all about protecting your family, isn't it, Mike? You know, you want to protect what you've accumulated. Uh, I know you folks do many other things besides just wills and trust. You do Medicaid planning, right, to protect assets from... Uh, taken over by a nursing home if somebody goes to a nursing home? Well, I was just going to talk about another case that we have that's um, sort of similar to what uh, we were talking about, about not doing your documents. I have a client who never did any documents, and then she became disabled. And her family is now trying to take care of her uh, from a distance. They are not in this neck of the woods. So the, the stepson prepared a legal Zoom or something, property power of attorney for this lady, finally got her to sign it. But the banks are not accepting this document. Oh, dear. Yes, because they, uh, it was, it, it's not well put together. It's not well written. 
and they say, you know, it just doesn't make sense to us. We're not going to allow you access to this lady's account based on this legal Zoom document. So a very good example of why you want to see an attorney and do the documents properly. Well, you can't do your own surgery. You can't diagnose your own medical problem without getting proper assistance, and you should not ever try to do your own will, and you should not ever try to do your own trust. Get some professional help. So what if somebody, um, Mike, has already done documents, but they need to make changes or they have questions about, is this valid? Mm -hmm. What should they consider doing? Well, as we said before, the consultations with us are free, so we'd be happy to take a look at what you've done so far. Uh, if our clients have done things with us and, and things in their lives have changed, the trust that we do, the most common living trust is revocable, it's amendable, so it can be changed. Mm -hmm. So if life situations change, the trust can change. Um, wills are a little bit harder to change. Generally, I would prefer to do a whole new will if they want to make uh, okay. changes. So a trust is more easily changed than a will. It just sort of depends on what's going on in life. And obviously, I assume if you want to leave property to charity, you can do that in your trust and in your estate plan? Certainly. There are different sections within the trust where you can name charities or uh, organizations that you've been affiliated with or different people. So really, you can write into the trust as many uh, different things as you want to. We like to make as many contingencies so that if something should happen, maybe you don't have to change a trust because you've already written in there mm -hmm. uh, what would happen in the event. Maybe one of your beneficiaries predeceased you or, or something like that. So the trust is a very flexible document also. Well, I would just like to thank everybody for listening today, and I'd like to thank Attorney Michael Coleman and Attorney Tenny Lance for helping to give us some of the finer points. It's not a complicated process to sit down and give some information and answer some questions. But the ultimate goal is to protect your family right. and leave as much as possible at the least possible cost to your family. It's all about protecting your family. And if you had a famous wine collection, you could leave it to somebody. Right, Tenny? Oh, if you left it to me, it wouldn't last very long. <laughs> well, I have to give a quotation from a Greek philosopher, Diogenes. What I like to drink most is wine that belongs to others. <laughs> And on that note, thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we toast you. We salute you. Do something to protect your family. See you next week. Music